Welcome to Victory Today. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to learn some really great stuff today. You know, I've shared before that the reason I launched this podcast is because I am just so passionate about seeing people experiencing victory on a daily basis. Man, this is a total faith ministry. God is our source, but he uses faithful people like you to support what we're doing and partner with us financially to produce resources like this for the body of Christ and to continue our mission or work in Cambodia. But, you know, the reason that I started this podcast is that over the past 35 years of ministering the Word of God, I have lost count of the number of people that I've spoken to who are privately frustrated in their faith and they just can't seem to get a resolution. And that's because when they open up the Word of God or they listen to a sermon, They hear about all these awesome promises that God has for them, but then they compare that to how they're living and what they're experiencing. (laughs) And it's like there's this huge gulf that's existing between the two. I wonder if you ever felt like that. And so, well-meaning people, they try all kinds of religious things to resolve the tension. But, you know, if you've ever done that, it never actually works. And so oftentimes people can slide into that place where they're, you know, they smile on the outside, but internally they're discouraged, they're skeptical, they're negative concerning the promises of God, or they beat themselves up and they take on all kinds of guilt and shame that God never intended for them. And they continue, sometimes for decades, to live defeated Christian lives. But you know, where things get really ugly, and it's so sad is when someone continues to see a a big difference between their lives and what's promised in the Word of God, and so they wrongly assume that the reason for the disparity is because God's disappointed with them, that He's unhappy with them. He's, He's refusing, for whatever reason, to bless them, or He's denying them certain things in order to teach them a lesson. And you know, when you've got churches and ministries today that continually reinforce the message that because of your actions, God is not happy with you, or that the promises in the Word of God, you know, they're great, but they were for some other people at some other time. All that does is cause people to lose faith in the Word of God and to start to pick and choose what they believe and what it is that they're going to reject. And so I really want to encourage you today, make sure that the teaching that you're listening to or or the church that you attend places the word of God above people's personal experiences. The church that you're a part of, the ministries that you receive from, the stuff that you're listening to, make sure that they place the word of God above personal experiences and feelings and likes and dislikes. Okay, And I say that because if we come to the Word of God and we read what it says, and then we try to bend that or manipulate it to fit our experiences or the experiences of you know, Uncle Bruce or Aunt Mary or someone we knew, and we try and manipulate the Word of God to fit the experiences of someone else, we're always, always, always going to get it wrong. But as soon as we make the Word of God the highest authority in our lives, 
Man, it doesn't matter what it feels like. It doesn't matter what it looks like or what people say or what this person experienced or that person. No, we're going to believe what God says. Amen? We're going to believe what He says, irrespective of whether we've experienced it or whether we can see any evidence of it in our lives. I'm saying that we have to start using the Word of God as a spiritual mirror to show us who we are in God and what's available to us. Because if we just go by our natural senses, our intellect, our feelings, we're never going to develop our faith. We're not going to walk in victory. We will constantly be trying to explain away what the Word of God actually declares. Let me show you what I mean by that. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 18, Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now, what he's saying there is that there's coming a time when we get to heaven that what's in us is going to be revealed. He calls it the glory. But in other places, he's referring to the real us, the new creation in Christ, our, our perfect, holy, righteous spirit man that we've been talking about recently. And he's saying that when you and I get to heaven and we stand before God, we will know all things. That's what 1 Corinthians 13 says. Now, most of us think that when we get to heaven, what will be awesome is that we'll get new glorified bodies that won't age and decay and wear out, which will actually be pretty cool, and we'll get a glorified soul that no longer wrestles with fear and doubt and discouragement and unbelief. But Paul here is talking about something that most of us never consider, and that is what's in us right now today. Yes, a new body and a glorified soul will be awesome, but his point is that when we get to heaven and we suddenly know all things, we will look at who we really are, our true born-again nature, and we will be absolutely astonished. He says that the glory that's in us shall be revealed. And on that day, friend, I am convinced that a large percentage of the body of Christ will look at themselves as they truly are. And they'll go, you mean to tell me that I was holy and pure and righteous since the moment I was born again, and yet I spent my entire Christian life feeling unworthy and ungodly, unfit for service? I felt my whole life that I was a constant disappointment to God? You mean to tell me that the guilt that I carried around day after day and the shame that I struggled with was never, ever an issue for you, God? I, I thought that you weren't moving in my life, God, and that you weren't blessing me and you were refusing to prosper and heal me because I wasn't good enough. And I didn't fast and pray and read my Bible enough. Man, I really missed it. You mean to tell me that I had resurrection power on the inside the whole entire time? That I had the mind of Christ? That I had authority over the enemy and yet I was paralyzed by fear? That I went through seasons where I was overcome by worries and care? I was timid in my witness. I was constantly questioning my worthiness as a follower of yours. Lord, I am so, so sorry. I had no idea. Now, friend, I don't want that for you. 
And I'm here to tell you, God certainly doesn't want that for you. Think about it. What a waste to get to heaven one day and to discover that for all of your Christian life on earth, you already had everything that you needed for victory, everything that you needed for prosperity, everything that you needed to be bold in your witness and fruitful in your calling, and yet you never knew it. It was there the whole entire time, but you never knew Think about the years of needless suffering and struggling and questioning and going without. Think about the worries and the fears and the concerns that were completely unwarranted. Can you see how important it is that we get this stuff? I'm telling you, friend, you have to start trusting your spiritual mirror, the Word of God. You have to start believing what it says about you more than what your senses are telling you right now. See, if you are like most people, you look in the mirror before you go out in the morning, right? I trust that you do that. Nothing worse than coming home from a meeting with someone and finding that you had broccoli between your teeth or that your hair was all messed up. We, we rely on a mirror to tell us what we look like, right? We actually put a whole lot of trust every morning on what that mirror tells us. And that is because none of us have ever seen our own face. You realize that, right? You, you've never actually seen your face before, friend. You've only ever seen a reflection in a mirror, which is really a representation of your face. I know some of you are like, oh yeah, man, that's right. You haven't seen your own face. None of us have. But if I was to ask you today, man, you could describe what kind of a nose you have, what your hair looks like, what shape your eyes are, your chin are. But the truth is, you don't really know that for sure because you've never seen your face with your own eyes. You know, you've seen photos of your face. You've seen a reflection of your face, but you've never, ever seen your face. And yet, You've got absolute confidence in that mirror or that iPhone or that photograph to reveal what it is that you look like. You put absolute confidence in that. When you go in the morning and you look in the mirror, you're, you're just like, yep, that's what I look like. Hair looks good. Teeth look good. Ready to go. Well, I'm telling you that when it comes to who you are spiritually, who you are on the inside, the real you, the only way you can picture that and develop a proper understanding of your true self is by looking into the spiritual mirror, which is the Word of God. Because when you do, you'll discover the most astonishing, awesome, powerful things imaginable. Just coming back to our confidence to share Jesus with people. I know that that is a challenge that a lot of people struggle with. We see every day just how far people today have moved from the things of God. We see all the evil stuff being embraced and promoted, and that leads many believers in this season to shrink back and back and back. And they kind of live their lives as, you know, secret agent Christians, where they never tell anyone about their faith and they never reveal that Jesus has transformed their lives. A lot of people living like that today because they just don't want the hassle and they don't have the boldness to share and they see how dark the days are. And so they're, they're kind of like secret agent Christians. They know, but no one else knows. Well, Paul, in the little letter to his friend Philemon, addresses that. 
where he says in chapter 1, verse 4, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have towards the Lord Jesus and towards all the saints, listen, that the sharing of your faith may become effective. Okay, so he's commending them on their love and their faith for their fellow believers, but now he's going to encourage them to get out of that little holy huddle that they're enjoying and to be bold, okay, and to start sharing with people outside the faith. And so he says that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is yours in Christ Jesus. Can you hear that? Paul says, what's going to make your witness effective is your acknowledgement, your realization, your understanding, coming to grips with every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. He's saying when you grasp just how good God has been to you, When you get a revelation of who you really are on the inside and what you've been blessed with by him, when you understand what is residing right now inside you, oh man, you won't be timid, you won't be afraid, you'll be confident, you'll be bold, you'll be overflowing with love and joy and faith. When you acknowledge, Paul says, what's in you because of Jesus The Amplified Bible puts it like this. It says, when you have full recognition and appreciation and understanding and precise knowledge of every good thing that is ours in Christ Jesus, man, when you know that, you're going to be an unstoppable force for the kingdom of God. Amen? But here's the thing. The average Christian might not tell you straight up, but if they're honest, they will eventually admit that pretty much most of the time they feel defeated. That a lot of the time they feel afraid. That they're often depressed. Many times they're discouraged. That if truth be told, they believe that God's unhappy with them. They're constantly trying to do things to try and appease him, to get his attention, have him do things for them. They assume that if they can't feel God, that he mustn't be there. They're begging and pleading and asking him to do things that according to the word of God, he's already done. I'm telling you, friend, the average believer today is caught up in a never-ending cycle of doing, doing, doing to try and get God to do something in return. And that is because they feel so unworthy and so sinful and so far from him that maybe, just maybe, they're praying and they're fasting and they're tithing and they're going to church and they're worshipping through gritted teeth is going to help. Are you starting to see that all of that is nothing but an insult to God? Man, that is an offence to him. When he has already done everything that you need, when he's poured out his spirit, when he's accepted you, when he's saved you, empowered you, blessed you, given, the abil- given you the ability to get wealth, the Bible says. When he's already healed you, forgiven you, justified you, honored you, on and on and on. Can you see how offensive it is for us to come to God saying, Oh God, I know I'm unworthy and I know I don't deserve it, but please, would you move again in my life? Please heal me. 
Please touch me, bless me with your presence. Now, please understand, I am as guilty of all of that as the next person. I have prayed that way and made all of the mistakes that I'm sharing with you in these podcasts. I've tried all the religious formulas and trying to get God to move in my life like many of you have. So please don't think for a moment that I'm here condemning anyone because we have all been there. Amen. It's just that I don't want you to stay there. If that's where you're at right now, I don't want you to stay there. I don't want you to get to heaven one day and suddenly realize that inside of you all the time was everything you needed for life and abundance. I don't want you begging God and pleading with God for things that he's already made available to you and then wondering why you never received them. I don't want you believing the lie that your efforts, however noble they might seem at the time, are not going to do one thing to cause God to love you any more than he does right now or move in your life any more than he is right now. He loves you, friend. Not because of what you do, but because of what he did. He loves you because of who he is. He loves you. He accepts you. He's blessed you, healed you, delivered you. Not because of your good deeds, but because of Jesus. And that is how he can keep loving you even when you stuff up. Because his love and his blessings aren't based on your performance. They are a sheer gift of grace, the Bible says, because of what Jesus did. And when you look into the mirror of God's word to find out who you really are, you start to discover, man, I have the spirit of Jesus in me. So clearly, I don't have to be concerned that God's going to leave me or ignore me or isn't attentive to my prayers I've got the fruit of the Spirit in me. So I don't need to ask for joy or love or peace or patience and on and on and on. He's already given me all of that. I don't ever, again, have to be concerned that God might be upset with me or grieved with me and that my sins uh, caused him to turn his back on me and he's refusing to hear and answer my prayer. No, he's sanctified and perfected me forever. And when I get that, I realize I can enter the presence of God, not not once I've prayed for an hour, not once I've confessed all my sins and groveled on the floor and promised God I would never, ever do a wrong thing again. No, right now, right now, I can enter his presence. Right now, friend, you've got the same exact rights and privileges that Jesus has because the spirit of Jesus is living in you. Can you see that the only thing stopping us from experiencing all of this, the only thing preventing us from enjoying all of this, is that we don't know or we refuse to believe what it is that we have in him. And what's going to fix that? Looking into the mirror, friend. Time in the mirror of God's word. So I want to encourage you today. Get into his word if you're not already. Ask Holy Spirit to help you understand your new identity in Jesus. Start with the book of Ephesians. Read it slowly. Meditate on it. Write down those verses, those statements that really jump out at you. Confess them over your life. Friend, if you will take the time 
to start looking into the mirror of God's word and discover who the real you is and what you've been given in him and what you can do in his strength, man, you will never be the same again. Well, if you're enjoying Victory today, don't forget to subscribe so you'll always know when there's a new episode. And while you're at it, leave a review or a five-star rating. That helps other people to find this podcast. And I hope that this message today has encouraged you to live in the victory that Jesus won for you. And so I'll be back with you again real soon. We'll talk about a whole lot more truths from the Word of God, but go out today and enjoy the victory that you have in Him. He's a good, good God, and He only has good things in store for you, friend. Be blessed. Be an encouragement to someone else. Stand up. Be bold in your witness and realize that the greater one lives in you.